0: The Madhouse
1: Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports,
0: Dr. Squatch, and by the In Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to what's only going to be described as a chaotic edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've got a ton to talk about. Can't wait to do it. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 the score of the I'm Fat Podcast. And he owns a, I believe you own a Chipotle free burritos for life card. Is that right? Oh, Did I see that?
1: I wish. That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: Uh, I've seen those things like I think Christian Yelich and Bryce Harper have both gotten them and I am exceedingly jealous of both of those guys yeah
1: the people that get things like that James are the people that don't need them yeah (laughs) it's the people with all the money in the world that will never need free burritos for life but guess what they get them anyway because they're rich that's how the world works and that's why everything is as great as it is all the time anyway welcome into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast like James said Hawks lose 4-3 to the Carolina Hurricanes. We're going to break that all down, but there's some news items as well. A couple new signings. Stan Bowman was named the GM of the USA Olympic team, so we'll get into that in a little bit. First, I want to tell you about a few things. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash madhousepod, and our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com. That's powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Best thing you can do for us is leave us a review, subscribe, all those good things you can do for a podcast. Those help us with our visibility and, as always, support our sponsors. That is really the best way to support us. So, James, let's begin. Very, very strange hockey game tonight. Strange two
0: hockey games in a row, man. Yeah,
1: and I don't know if the Hawks were sort of, and they'll probably never admit this, but very much playing not to lose, it felt, and nothing happening in the game. Tons of icings, <laughs> tons of whistles, and then all of a sudden in the third and a little bit in the second, the Hawks kind of break out of it a little bit and become more um, at least competitive. Here's something I saw from Ben Pope. I'm going to give you the game totals, all right? And then I'm going to follow it up with a little note. So oh, sure, shot attempts were 52 to 44 in favor of Carolina. Shots on goal. 31-25 in favor of Carolina scoring chances 25-19 in favor of Carolina okay if you take out the first period the Blackhawks led in shot, shot attempts 37-29 they led in shots on goal 22-19 and led in scoring chances 19-13 to so the, the, all those numbers I just read were the second and third periods only so it really was a tale of two games but you You come out as flat as you do, and it's hard to get things going again, and it's been that way twice against Carolina. Look, we can say the opponent's really good, and the Hawks are just trying to hang on for dear life, but guess what? They've played good opponents earlier in the year, and they haven't played this way. It's just very, very strange the way they've come out and played these last two games.
0: It's honestly seemed to be a continuation of what they were doing in the previous series, especially against Nashville. I thought that coming into this series against Carolina, they were really going to need to kind of set the tone early. They were going to need to kind of make a statement against uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire National Hockey League. And they came out flat in both of those games, and they really didn't recover all that well in the Tuesday game, which oddly enough, they won. And then Thursday, tonight, they come out really well in the second and the third period kids. Probably should have won the game if we're gonna get into those kind of discussions. And then just every single bounce it seemed kind of went against them. In this one, it was just a really weird game overall. I think Ben Pope also had mentioned there were like 27 stoppages in the first period of this game. It was just really hard to get any sort of momentum or flow going when the when the puck is being put out of play so often. It was just a bizarre couple of games, and it kind of leaves you scratching your head a little. Bit. But if you're trying to figure out kind of what this team needs to do coming up at the trade deadline with that coming up less than two weeks from now, all you can really say after these two games is kind of the same thing you were saying before, which is, can you really do anything? Like, I don't think they should be buyers, but I also don't see them selling off everything that isn't nailed down either. It's a very odd position for them to be in. And this really didn't add a whole ton of clarity to what they need to do.
1: Well, you know what I think they should do, James? I think they should sort of treat the trade deadline the way we have discussed it even before the season began, right? you got these short-term one-year deals. If you can get something good for them at the deadline, do it. You don't have to go make wholesale giant franchise-altering changes, but if you can move a Yanmark or a Soderberg for a younger piece or a prospect or a draft pick, I think you do that. I think, you know, look, this team might make the playoffs, sure, realistically they're not going to make a run at a stanley cup and there is some experience there is obviously a benefit to playing some playoff games we saw how it helped kirby doc last year we don't really know how it helped adam Boakless because it didn't happen right away but he's been better lately so there isn't there is benefit to that but if the ultimate goal is to win the stanley cup and be a better team i think the approach we all thought they should take when this thing began is the approach they should take at the deadline i don't think anything has really changed yep they've been more competitive than we thought but when you really look at it how many games have they actually been the better team how many games have we seen them win a possession uh possession battle you know it just i don't know it seems like they're kind of doing this thing with a really good power play and some killer goaltending and eventually one of those two things is going to dry up you can't just run your way through the playoffs with that
0: yeah, but, and i and it's something I've brought up before, which is that the Blackhawks are in a really tough situation right now because even if they do try to actively be sellers at the trade deadline, the issue that they're going to ultimately have is they can't get Bad enough to guarantee themselves a really meaningful first round pick. They're probably going to get stuck in that 10 to 14 range, most likely, even if they decide to do kind of some of that selling off. The Blackhawks just are not in that class of Buffalo and Detroit where they're going to be potentially competing for uh, the top pick in the NHL draft lottery. It's just a very odd position that they're in. Obviously, the play of Kevin Lankinen and the emergence of some of these younger, uh, talented guys on this roster has kind of put them here it just it's one of those things where there really isn't a uh, a clear motive to just get absolutely horribly bad because I don't think you can get there at this point. So I think ultimately, like you had mentioned, the one-year deal trade-offs would probably make sense. That means you're looking at guys probably like Carl Soderberg who are probably going to be under the gun for that trade deadline. And then you're also probably looking at that as an opportunity to get some of these younger guys up. I mean, if you can somehow trade a guy like Calvin Dehan or Connor Murphy, wouldn't that be good to get like Nicholas Bodan or Ian Mitchell back up here and get them some meaningful minutes again like I think that that ultimately is going to be more important than them trying to I guess ice the most competitive team that they can it's just it's such a weird position for them to be in right now there's no clear-cut answer and I think the the argument to use some of the salary cap space that they have that we had mentioned previously, each day that goes by that becomes less and less of an asset. And I think that teams are going to kind of be willing to wait that out. And it's going to kind of take away one of the big uh, bullets that Stan Bowman had left in the chamber for this trade deadline.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just, we're in such a weird place, you know, and, and I felt like maybe we'd have a little more clarity at this point, but we really don't. It, it's, it's really hard to get a feel for where this team is right now because you know they're a middling team is what they are of course of course they are and and we've kind of been you know they they played well then all of a sudden they start playing really really good teams and, and then we sort of start qualifying that conversation yeah you know they haven't been playing great but look who they're playing their opponents have been really good it's hard to figure out where this thing stands and that's why I'm sort of you know, despite the, if we want to call it overachievement, if we want to call it luck, whatever we want to call it, despite that, I don't know if, if anything's really changed in my mind about their current status in the NHL. Yeah, their their record is better than we thought it would be, but I don't know. The the good news is the young players are, are doing pretty well, right? Yeah, That's the encouraging thing. I just think, as a whole, the team is about where we thought they'd be you know, I maybe we are we are panicked after the first series against Tampa where they got destroyed, but they are what they are. They're a, a lower half team, playoff borderline team, and and I don't know if at this point it's worth, you know, trying to be anything more than that. I guess, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: I think what we probably should do instead of just continuing to talk about how uh, perplexing this all is because frankly it's starting to make my brain hurt a little bit maybe we should talk just a little bit more about these two games specifically and what we saw that was good from the Blackhawks and what was bad from the Blackhawks how does that sound that sounds good let me let
1: me start with something that, that bothered me and this is a little thing about Jeremy Coton and you know if we want to start I don't want to bring back the The Joel Quenville thing it's not worth doing but a small little thing third period Hawks have stormed back and tie a game they probably have no business being tied in right 40 seconds left in the game you got a face-off in the offensive zone you've got Pia Suter you've got Patrick Kane and you've got Alex to okay uh Pia Suter's face-off percentage on the game was 35 percent you have Probably not to. much
0: better than that on the season.
1: No, right. You have to have a better face off guy taking that draw. You've got to get a point out of this game because you know, you don't deserve it. You know, you haven't played well enough to earn that point and you you're 40 seconds away from a point. Then three on three overtime slash the, the shootout is a coin toss. Get there. You have to get there. Suter gets thrown out of the circle Patrick Kane predictively loses the faceoff. he's not a center so he loses the face off. Carolina takes the puck goes the other way and scores. and I know look hindsight's 2020 but how many times did we see in Joel Quenville's tenure he would have when Taze was healthy Taze would take the face off and then whoever the second best face-off guy in the team was lined up at the wing and that's how you approached every faceoff at the end of the game in a tight game. And look, there's a lot of things we've been critical of Jeremy Calton for. There's a lot of things we praised. But that's sort of a little thing where you're letting your excitement for the moment and the possibility of maybe winning the game get ahead of the common sense, hockey smart thing to do. Win the damn face off, then see what happens. You've still got, you know, even if you just went with Soderbergh instead of Suter. You've still got guys that can score out there on the ice, right? You've still got Kane. Right. You still got to bring it out there. Um, you know, Dylan Strome won fifty-six percent of his face-offs. You know, Soderbergh was fifty percent. There's guys out there that were doing okay at the face-off dot and have done okay at the face off dot. P. Suter's not that guy. I think those little situational things are the things that I think, you know, Jeremy Collin still, in the grand scheme of things, is a pretty young coach and he'll learn these things, but Man, that frustrated me. I said, "Why why are those 3 out there right now? You've got to get a faceoff guy out there sure enough." You know, 11 seconds later Carolina
0: takes the lead. Right, the pucks in the back of the wrong net for sure. Um, the only I, there's only one thing I really did want to bring up as you were kind of going through that, and I was curious kind of what your take on it was. If, say, Soderberg was out on the ice or David Kampf, a guy who has won some faceoffs recently, if one of those guys were out on the ice and they had won that face-off and then the Blackhawks hadn't even gotten a shot attempt off, do you think – that there would have been some criticism of Jeremy Colleton because he was playing too conservatively and trying to play for the tie instead of the win. If that had happened, Are you, so
1: just to clarify, you said the only difference is Soderberg out there instead of Suter.
0: Yeah, that's the idea. I don't is think that so. it would be a it would be a, a, a specifically a guy who's aiming solely to win that faceoff, maybe not necessarily the best offensive guy to be out there at the given time. No, because I think if you still have Kane to bring it out there.
1: The lo- Even if it was questioned, Jeremy Collin would say, I did that because we ha- had to win that face-off. And then people would, I mean most reasonable thinking, people would say, okay, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, I understand where you're coming from on that one, Jeremy. And maybe I don't agree with it, but uh, at least there's there's logic to it. And I And Fine, maybe he thinks that Suter and Kanan Debrink had something going towards the end of the game. And they, they did. They were making some things happen. Right. But you've just got to be, that face-off is huge, man. That point is huge. Had yeah. they gotten that point, they're back in playoff position.
0: I think there's plenty to kind of question about Colleton's uh, strategy in this game tonight. I thought that that was a really good point by you. I just wanted to kind of throw that hypothetical out there because we all know that there will always be somebody looking to kind of dig at Colleton about something, and that would have been, I thought, a reasonable criticism if it had gone the other way too. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there. The thing, The one thing I also had noticed about the game tonight – how little Philip Kuryshev was on the ice in a game where you were struggling to generate scoring chances off of the jump. Philip Kuryshev played about three minutes in the first period and then ended up with about eight minutes of ice time in the entire game. What the heck is going on with him?
1: Well, and that was that's interesting because in the third period he had two really good chances of his own to score. He he had some good opportunities when he got on the ice. And I was thinking that too, like what happened to Kuryshev I feel like he hasn't contributed much of anything lately but when you're playing 813 that's not going to happen and you know jeremy calton has been very quick to when he sees young defensemen struggling or out over their skis a little bit he takes him out of the lineup and he says all right take a break take a breather figure things out maybe it's time to do that with kurashev if he's really feeling like he's only worth 813 of ice time i don't know i and i'm you know i'm not in love with matthew highmore by any means right but I don't know. I think something has to give here, you know, it's, and I'm wondering if that's going to be the, uh, the case when, when Hardman comes, the kid they signed this week, mm-hmm. Mike Hardman, who they signed from, uh, from Boston college
0: and put him directly on the taxi squad, which I thought was really interesting. Cause that immediately starts the clock on his ELC.
1: Yeah. And I think he just has to get through whatever the COVID, uh, yep. protocol is. And the expectation is he will play for the Hawks right away. So, that could be when he's ready, maybe that's the guy that Philip Kurashev sits for. I don't know. I really don't know what the plan is. Uh, I want Kurashev to play. I want young guys to play. But like we've seen with Ian Mitchell, like we've seen with Adam Bokwis in years past, sometimes these young guys just need a little a bit of a reset, and we might be at that point with Philip Kurashev.
0: I will say that Kurashev in the last five games, you want to guess how many shots on goal he has? <sighs> well, I know he had uh,
1: – did he have one –
0: had one in, in the this game, game
1: tonight. I'm gonna say yep. last five games. let say four.
0: Cut that in half. Wow. He's had really? two shots on goal in the last five games and is a minus two for the Blackhawks. Has not had a point since March twentieth against Tampa. His last goal was March fifteenth against Florida. So he has gone eight straight games without a goal.
1: Yeah, it just might be time. And and look like Stan Bowman told us and like we've talked about all year. Sitting does not necessarily mean you're failing or you suck or they're giving up on you. I do think sometimes young guys need a breather. The yes. game can get especially with this compressed schedule. Where they're playing but, all the
0: time, but that's different than playing him, than dressing him and playing him eight minutes. Oh, absolutely. He need If you're gonna sit him, sit just him. sit him. The yeah. whole idea of like playing him uh, eight or nine minutes, which he's done three of the last five games, just bench him. If you're really gonna be that. You know, stingy with his minutes, put, like you said, put Highmore in there. Put somebody in there other than him. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me to have him be so out of whack with everything else that the team is doing in terms of ice time.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County state's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions received for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you call for a free consultation 312-332-2107 or visit sinsonlawgroup.com that's s-i-n-s-o-n lawgroup.com don't go off sides go top shelf call kent sinson now he is a huge hockey fan a huge hawks fan and a hockey player so go use kent if you have any sort of legal issues that need addressing we've got some uh, news items to get to as well but I want to take a look at the uh, the fancy stats, as we call them in this game. Um, this is starting to become a trend, by the way, where the Hawks are in the thirty percent spots for possession lately.
0: It's not good.
1: That's that's real, real bad. You you don't want to see numbers. Uh, look, if you're close to fifty percent, you're you're feeling okay about things. Uh, anything under what maybe forty seven, you're starting to get a little itchy. And now you're looking at 30s. That's that's not good. And there are only two Hawks uh at fifty percent. Philip Kurashev, who you mentioned, played eight minutes, he was fifty percent, Ryan Carpenter fifty percent as well. Every other black hawk was under fifty percent. David Camp, listen to this one. You want to take a guess on Camp?
0: Um I mean, I guess it's not good. I will <laughs> <Correct>. say 26%. 15.38%. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay, how many chances was it? Two
1: shot two shot attempts for 11 against.
0: Ooh. Yeah, it's a smaller, smaller sample size, but that's still really bad.
1: That's 1033 at, uh, at even strength. How about Kirby? Ooh. Kirby Doc was second I worst on the team. I just looked at his
0: Fenwick. His Fenwick was zero. That's That's <laughs> impossible. against.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Kirby Doc with a rough game too. 26.32. We've not talked about Doc very much since his return, and there have been a few moments where we've seen him flash, where he's made some really dynamic offensive plays. And overall, I like the way he's playing. You know, you're seeing him win board battles, and when he's out there on the ice, chances happen. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like I want to see him with the puck more. Does that I feel make like sense? people aren't
0: getting him the puck enough.
1: Well, that's part of it, but I want to see that dude carry the puck a little bit more.
0: Although I will say he did this at least twice tonight, and it was kind of annoying me. The center in hockey, not to get too much X's and O's for our audience, the center in hockey generally should not be the first one out of the zone on breakouts. Doc was out early at least twice. And Carolina ended up getting chances because of it, because they got the puck right back in. Like, it just, you can't be doing that, Kirby. You are a center. You have to maintain your defensive positioning. I know you're Mr. get Him and real speed threat dude, but you have to stick around. You have to let your wingers start that breakout. You cannot be the first guy out of the zone all the time. You're a center. Act like it. Yeah, when, I, when I'm when
1: i watching him, I'm seeing a guy who is very, very much trying to make things happen, right? And and I feel like... And we've we've said this about him a couple times last year where his brain is moving faster than his body. It's almost as if he's, for lack of a better word, like playing kind of in a hyper kind of a way. Mm. And I think it's the excitement of coming back. It's the adrenaline taking over. It's him wanting to step in and make an impact right away. Because look, you know, he's feeling pressure to sort of come in and make up for lost time. So it's not really a criticism as much as an observation. I think... As he gets more ingrained in the season, things will start to slow down for him a little bit. We've did you remember. see, by the
0: way, how much ice time he had in the Tuesday game?
1: Uh I didn't see Tuesdays, but I know tonight's was lower than we had discussed. Tonight's he was 41. He played,
0: he played just under 14 minutes on Tuesday. Okay, so I think curb I think Jeremy Collison listened to us. You
1: do. You think he listened to the podcast?
0: Uh he may have. I you know, know Stan Bowman's given it his seal of approval, but I, I have done days, a lot of these
1: guys, but I, I gotta say this one was probably the, the best kind of rhythm. I think you guys have a pretty good handle on things. Thanks, Stan. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, See, Don't yeah, you got the seal of approval. Don't forget it. You hit it right on the button there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I bet he probably told Jeremy, you should listen to this podcast. They're really, really smart. We could probably learn a Sorry. thing or two. We,
0: we should uh, probably stop self-flagellating. That's <laughs> probably not why people tune into this show. You leave
1: my high school experience out of this, buddy.
0: What do you mean high school? I, don't you still never mind. We're not going to get into this. Let's not. All
1: right. Let's uh, you know what? We we always are. Uh, we always swear to be positive. So it's time for us, James, to find some positives in this game. Um, can you go first?
0: Yeah, sure. Why the heck not? (laughs) Dominic Kubelik. Let's talk about Dominic Kubelik. You want to talk about a dude who had been basically a non-entity for a little while. He was all over the freaking place tonight. Played more than 16 minutes. Had five shots on goal. And put one home, which is the most important thing for him. Dominic Kubelik's a guy I really was hoping would kind of take a step forward this year, kind of like the way that uh, Alex DeBrinkit took a step forward um, in his second season in the NHL. This is his second, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I just realized it's my Friday and my brain is completely not working. Um, I was hoping he would kind of take that step forward and I really haven't seen that from him this season and I know this is a weird like kind of COVID thing where they're playing a lot of games in a really short amount of time and all against divisional opponents still would like to see him do more and I really did think today. That he did a really nice job and he was really noticeable a lot on the ice and did a lot of really good things. Love the speed and the energy he brought to the mix and obviously the goal. Good game for Dominic Kubalik.
1: He's starting to remind me of Patrick Sharp.
0: <laughs> oh, so I compare friggin' De Brinkett to Sharp on the last podcast, and now you're gonna uh call Kubelik Sharp. I just think Are we gonna that, have to fight about no, this? No,
1: I, I just think the way that Kubelik plays reminds me of him. And he's streaky. Patrick Sharp was kind of streaky too. But you know like DeBrinkert is more of a to me like a quick twitch kind of a legs always moving kind of a guy where Kubalik and Sharp are like kind of more cerebral, find that spot on the ice and get there. Kubelik was awesome in this game and that pass to Kane made in the third to get him that late scoring chance that almost went in where he's like saucered it from behind Kubalik and put it right on the tape. Yeah. My God, once a game, Patrick Kane does something to blow your mind. And he did it in Tuesday's game, setting up that pass to, Pat, to uh, Alex to bring it. Like, yeah. how did you make that pass? That's insane. <laughs> he does something, Patrick, and this is not news to anybody, that Patrick Kane does at least one mind-blowing thing every game. It's usually maybe half a dozen. But that pass he put to Kubelik was incredible. And we should mention, too, while we're on the positives, Wyatt Kelnick picks up his first assist on the on the Kubelik goal, a long stretch pass on a the money from him
0: stretch pass.
1: Yeah. And he played 1544. That's that's saying something. And and Colin said after his uh, game on Tuesday, he's going to play more because he liked what he saw. Another pretty solid performance from him picked up an assist, two shots on goal, two block shots uh, finished even on the night. Like I said, for uh 1544 of ice time. So Kelnick, you know, he he's, he's finding his groove a little bit. It was good to see two, Solid performances from him in a row. and Look, you're not going to see him, you know, blow your doors off offensively or anything. But to see him pick up an assist the way he did, and in the fashion with that sweet, sweet pass, like we mentioned, I, I've been impressed with number 48. Worst number ever <laughs> uh, in in his game so far this year. So look, they've got this. We're talking about what to do at the trade deadline. They've got this glut of defensemen. Mm -hmm. you mentioned maybe it's time to look at moving a dahan or even you know i think zadora has been a lot better lately but maybe it's time to move some of these guys i don't know I'm, i'm i'm all for it let all these kids play man bring it on
0: yeah, that's, and that's the only reason I would really consider moving some of those guys, and I know that a guy like Murphy is probably going to be a better option to move around the NHL draft than he maybe would be at the trade deadline, but you do need to clear some space, I think, because there, to me, is no realistic reason why a guy like Nick Bodan or uh, Ian Mitchell should be in the minor leagues right now. I feel like they should be learning at the NHL level. I don't feel like they were playing particularly badly, I just think that it ended up being a numbers game. And I just think that in an era era where you're trying to develop this kind of young talent, especially on the defensive side of things, you have to get these guys some ice time. And I think it's really critical that they clear some space and allow those guys to get their opportunity to get back in the lineup. And then even maybe, call me crazy, play together with some of these other young guys to see if you have any combos you can kind of lean on going into the future.
1: You're crazy. No, you're right, but so and this is something Hawks fans are going to have to realize. If this happens, right, and if the Hawks do decide Mitchell's going to play every day, Bodan's going to play every day, the points are not going to come. They're going to lose some games. They're going to lose some ugly games, but to me, there's more value in getting these guys in and learning on the job. I think the part where it would be just complete disaster chaos is probably past. They've got some games under their belt. They're not completely wet behind the ears, and, and they can compete a little bit, but when you trade veteran defenseman and put in basically all kids and Duncan Keith there's going to be a drop-off but I think to me that's worth it because you're looking down the road you're trying to make this team better in the future and I think the best way to do that is to play these guys so as I'm looking ahead to the trade deadline here which comes um, a week from Tuesday so we're we're about uh, 10 days away or so uh, 11 days away from the trade deadline I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. It wouldn't shock me if nothing happens, to be totally honest with you.
0: that it wouldn't shock me either. The trade deadline this year feels very odd based on how late it is in the season and kind of everybody still jockeying for a playoff position. There really aren't a ton of teams out there aside from your Anaheim's and maybe your Buffalo's that are going to probably be active sellers at the deadline because they'll actually have assets that they'll be willing to move.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch uh, this trade-in line because I, I really, it could be, and it, I'm just saying league-wide, it could be super active, nothing could happen. I really don't know. All right, why don't we do this? Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about Stan Bowman's uh, new job as the Team USA general manager, take a look at some of the funny tweets that came out after that announcement was made. Uh, Eddie Olchek on the broadcast pregame uh, gave his projected lineup for Team USA, which had some interesting choices on it. And uh, we got a whole and a couple of signings we want to get to as well. So we've got a whole lot more coming up on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast.
0: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here in Homewood, James Neveau out there in Bourbon I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and Fry What's Watch Fry the Coop, only the best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have in your entire life. They just opened up their location in Tinley Park, but they're also in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, and Prospect Heights. Man, I love Fry the Coop. We went there the other week and it was absolutely fantastic and I cannot wait to get there again. My order, I go with the chicken tenders. To me, it's perfect. You get three giant chicken tenders. You get some fries. You get a second side, whatever you want, the mac and cheese or the coleslaw, whatever you're into. They've got it. And the heat, we had a guy write us on Twitter this week and say, man, the hot is no joke. I had trouble finishing it. We've told you, (laughs) we've told you the hot and fry the coop is hot. If you think you're a tough guy and you're going to order the hot, just be warned. It's going to get you. And guess what? There's two levels above hot at Fry the Coop, but it's not just a the tenders. They've got the donut chicken sandwich. They've got the honey butter chicken sandwich, chicken waffles with bacon in the waffle batter. Oh yeah, mm. no bad words there. That's absolutely incredible. So go visit Joe Fontana, the owner of Fry the Coop, Oakland, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Go to frythecoop.com, place your order online and go to their safe pickup window to get your order and enjoy. Very happy and proud to be associated with a business Like fry the coop, and hopefully they feel the same way about us. All right, so a couple pieces of news, James. The Hawks made a couple signings this week. Uh, Mike Hardman, the winger who we discussed a little bit earlier in the show, as soon as he clears that COVID protocol, I think he's going to be uh, on the Blackhawks very, very quickly. Uh, Isaac Phillips, defenseman, he was their fifth round pick back in uh, this year's draft 2020. Uh, And uh, he's got two goals and four assists with Rockford this year in 14 games not sure where he projects in terms of playing in the nhl uh hardman is the guy who's much closer and we'll get a look right away so i'm excited to see you know this is this is kind of where stan bowman his you know for all the criticisms people have of his trades and rightfully so he has especially recently lost a hell of a lot more trades than he's won these signings are the sort of things that he kind of shines at and uh the drafting and the free agent signings have been really, really good. So I'm excited to see what Hardman's going to bring. Not going to be a game-changing top six type of guy, but uh, a depth scoring winger for sure. And uh, he's a big kid. I'm excited to see uh, what Hardman brings to the Hawks.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the the thing that obviously jumped out to me was just his size. I think that's something that the Blackhawks don't really have a ton of in their forward department. Um, obviously, I did take note of what number he's going to be wearing with the Blackhawks. Yeah. I, uh, I pointed that out on Twitter. He will be the only, the second Blackhawk to ever wear the number 86. Moment of silence for Jay and his boy. I didn't die. Yet. <laughs> oh, you're not Eloy Jimenez? <laughs> oh, my God. That was, can we, can we take a moment and just say that that, like, I get it. You guys all love him, but that was really silly and weird. <laughs> I'm
1: not going to talk about the White Sox because I don't want to put bad mojo on the Cubs.
0: I think they're putting plenty of bad mojo on themselves.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh but yeah, he's wearing number 86, which is fine. I don't whatever.
0: Had uh 12, I think it was 12 goals and 13 assists in 34 games with uh That was Boston in uh, yeah,
1: 2019-20. Those were stats this season, 24 games, 10 goals, 9 assists uh for 19 points, obviously. Uh and 14 pellymans. He's 6-3 here he's listed on HockeyDB at 190, but the release has him at 205. So I think he's bulked up a little bit since yeah. uh, HockeyDB updated their uh, their numbers. So a, a big he's a
0: good old Massachusetts boy.
1: Yeah, right winger, left handed shot. I uh, can never have too many of these kind of guys. And and let's see what he brings. Maybe this is another uh, fruit on Stan Bowman's fourth line farm.
0: We've got the fourth-line farm churning out the talent again. And perhaps, like you had mentioned earlier, I thought that was a really astute observation by you that he could end up slotting into the lineup and play Sakurachev. I think that is tailor-made to his skill set and where uh, he would be playing in terms of his uh, deployment.
1: Yeah, he will be playing right away, whether or not he sticks remains to be seen but but Hardman's going to be in the lineup as soon as he's available and if you're wondering like how is this kid coming in and being he's 22 years old so he's you know he's got some college under his belt so he's not an 18 19 year old coming in he's got a little more of a nhl body ready to go and a little more experience on north american ice so uh, i'm excited to see what he'll bring it just has a classic you know third fourth line plugger kind of a name though mike hardman let's go hardman
0: and that's the thing that everybody said when they uh, read that the Blackhawks had signed him was those was, they were that might be the most third or fourth line name that has ever existed. That's essentially it's kind of like a rock shoulders thing where you just assume <laughs> that that dude's gonna be yeah. you know mate, etched out of stone and a mountain of a man. Hardman probably is going to qualify in that group based on his size.
1: The only the only more fourth line name than that is Matthew Highmore Sorry. <laughs>
0: That's absolutely. <laughs> that is
1: absolutely a fourth line name. All right, so the other piece of news, Stan Bowman named the general manager of the US Olympic team. He will be assisted by Bill Garen. Uh and good for him. You know, it's kind of everyone made their jokes and they were pretty funny and I'm going to I'm going to roll through some of them here in a minute. Um but look, this, this go we've talked about this before how people around the league have a lot of respect for Stan Bowman. He's respected around the game. And this sort of an assignment just proves that
0: yeah i was a little bit surprised when i saw that they had made that announcement i know that he's obviously worked with team usa in the past i think he was was he the assistant gm under uh dave poyle was that who i or Pioli? what i, I always mess his name up sorry yeah um yeah i believe he is he's worked with team usa before uh, obviously, the, 22, the 2022 Olympics, my God, we're getting old, are coming up very soon. They're coming up next winter, and the NHL will be participating in this. So I am fascinated to see who Stan Bowman picks and how he's going to manage to stack his team with about 10 Swedish defensemen. <laughs> see, you got jokes, too.
1: Sean on Twitter says small undersized team thinks Stan will try to get camp a U.S. citizenship. The original brand OG says no defenseman over 5'6 and over 150 pounds need apply. (laughs) Frank Urso says which pass this prime player will he give a no-movement clause to? And my favorite, Adam Gretz, says Team USA is going to lose a Brandon Sod trade.
0: (laughs) I mean, he is an an American player. That would not surprise me whatsoever. Is Team North America going to be involved in the Olympics? Oh, man.
1: That would be fun, wouldn't it? Get Boy, some better players that way, at least. So, well,
0: I, And you would lessen the impact of guys on the Canadian roster, too. Shoot.
1: So Eddie Olchek, before the game, shared his lineup. And I don't know how much time Eddie put into this, but here's what he's got. Uh, top line is Matthew Kachuk, Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, okay. uh, Kyle Connor, Jack Eichel, Max Pacioret- Pacioretty, uh-huh. uh, Brady Kachuk, Dylan Larkin, uh, Blake Wheeler, TJ Oshie, Joe Pavelski, Wait. Alex Tuck. Fifth line, Alex Tabrinka, <laughs> Kevin Hayes, Jake Gensel... And he's got Luke Glendening in there to win face-offs, I guess. Mm. Um, defensively, Ryan McDonough and John Carlson, Jacob Slavin and Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox and Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski and Ryan Suter, Tori Krug and Nick Letty. So, oh, by the way, those Olympic teams can dress 20 players. So they would do 13 forward, seven defensemen. So that's something right. to keep in mind. Some notable, uh, oh, his goalies are Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson and Thatcher Demko
0: that's per, that's pretty much right
1: but there are some uh significant misses on that roster
0: um yeah think yeah I, I didn't
1: see uh Johnny Gaudreau on there which I found interesting there may have been some guys at uh is it Quinn Hughes Quinn that he Hughes, didn't have on there Jack Hughes I didn't see Andrews Lee on there Brock Besser Brock Besser's on there by the way Alex to bring on the fifth line of that team
0: I think Alex DeBrynkit should be playing with Patrick Kane on that team. That makes a
1: lot of sense to me.
0: What? Why on earth would you not do that? Like, take advantage of that. Also, I did love a couple of jokes about this. Uh, the graphic that NBC Sports Chicago put together had the wrong John Carlson on there. Mm-hmm. The one with the H is the one with talent, Edzo. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> and they spelled uh, Zach Wierenski wrong as well. <laughs> He's an SKI like me, not an SKY. He's not a fake a t- polish guy.
0: Speaking of teammates, you should probably play together. What about Seth Jones and Werensky? Shouldn't they probably be Ah, uh, they barely up together? play together. <laughs> <laughs> just uh say
1: I, I well, still t- can't. in defense of O, it's a tough thing to be like, hey,
0: how okay, about this? but jo- Put your G- game. Johnny Goudreau. Come on. Yeah,
1: that's that's gotta be.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> like the one miss where it's just like, all right, Edzo, I cannot forgive this. Come on, man.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's that's there, a, that's there, a big mix. A big there are some
0: mix. tough decisions. Like in the Hughes I think should both be in. Anders Lee, I think deserves a spot. It will come at a point though. There is going to be some guys you're going to have to drop, and they're obviously going to have to think about fit and what roles they want these guys to play and all that stuff. The one I'm not going to let go is Johnny Gaudreau. Mm, shake my fist.
1: Yeah, that's rough, and I know he's not having a, uh, you know, he's a, a couple down years in a row uh, here, but I mean, come on. He's still Johnny a dynamic player, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough assignment to get it perfect. No one's gonna get it perfect, but that's a pretty big miss. And I, and I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy to think that that was to brink. It is like give me him over TJ Oshie, right? Like give me yeah. him over Kyle Connor. Yeah. Am I cra- maybe maybe Edzo's just not trying to be too. He, what, too he was homery. trying maybe
0: not to be. Yeah, probably. And I and again, we don't know how much. Uh, you know effort uh, Edzo put into this we don't know if he was sitting there in the war room and putting guys together based on fit or anything like that it would lo- be awesome to talk to him about it but again the Johnny Gaudreau thing I would think he's gonna make it I would think one of if not both of Quinn and Jack Hughes will make it and then Anders Lee I think's a no-brainer he will be on Team USA also wouldn't you rather have Connor Murphy than Nick Letty um, yes, I would rather have Connor Murphy than Nick Letty. That's not saying a ton. I'd still probably have him on that fourth or fifth pairing, but still like I, I do like that team USA, like uh slot Slavin Mc- McAvoy Fox. Those are some good players to have on that team. And Warensky, same diff. Like there, there are good options on that team USA blue line that made me happy to see all those guys. Well, and I
1: think while we are making fun of Eddie a little bit here, I, I, I do think as I'm trying to dissect his process, he's trying to build a team, right? Because when he totally. was setting this up, he said the third line is a checking line with Brady Kachuk, Larkin, and Wheeler. Well, oh, that's yeah. correct. That that's a line that's gonna check anybody, right? But so is Joe
0: Pavelski really gonna be on your fourth line, though?
1: Uh that'd be hard for me to see, but I mean not the way he's
0: been playing he's just this. It's been season. awesome.
1: It's crazy to see I here's another like I was wrong, you know, like I was wrong on Panarin. I thought Pavelski was one of those classic guys who plays his whole career in one place, moves to another city, and just isn't the same. That dude well, has we were, been awesome.
0: We were both salivating over Pavelski when he hit free agency, and as soon as he signed that deal with Dallas, we were like, yeah, it's an overpay. <laughs> we both like immediately got disabused of the notion that it was a good player to add, and then he's like spent the last couple of years promptly like shoving it in our faces that we were dumb.
1: Yeah, we don't need any help with that. I still think, though, Seven million.
0: Seven million is a lot. I, and, and it,
1: I it's worked out, and he's been worth it. But that still is. I mean, that's that's tough. That's like he's being he's awesome this year. Thirty two points in thirty three games. Last year though, he had thirty one points in sixty seven. So there was a little bit of a dip down. Look, he had nineteen in twenty seven playoff games though. So that's something. But seven million is a tough pill to swallow for a guy that old. So I, I think we were right in calling an overpay. But because he's going to be, what, 38 when that deal
0: ends? I believe that is correct. So to
1: think that he'd be this good of a player still, uh, that was a bit of a reach. It worked out. Dallas was right. We were wrong. Um, but man, that 7 million still. When I saw that, I'm like, nope. Hawks should not have done it. They probably couldn't have done that either, to be honest with you. Um, but he's been great. I, I, I'm so glad that we're talking about the Olympics again. I know some people kind of have soured on it. Over the years, but I get excited for international play, especially when the NHL guys are involved. Mm. Cause they care. Like they don't go half acid it, unless it's right. Nagano. Or they'd right. rather just and, be drunk in trash hotel rooms. And I,
0: I will point out about Johnny Gaudreau. Last season, a down season for him. Still had 18 goals and 40 assists in 70 games. So 58 points, 70 games. It's not awful.
1: No, no. And then all. this
0: season, he has 13 goals and 14 assists in 37 games. So still not back to, like, obviously point per game like he was the seasons prior to that. But Johnny Gaudreau is still a heck of a hockey player.
1: Yeah, if I'm betting on Johnny Gaudreau, I'm betting going to be a good player like you know it's not a guy who I'm worried about uh he's only 27 it's not like his best days are behind him by any means I th- I just think that you know hey every good player has a couple down years we've seen it with guys here we've seen it with Taze we've seen it with a bunch of guys so
0: to bring it at a down year last year
1: yeah no doubt so all right before we wrap up I want to tell you about uh Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company I'm back at work, James, and I'm having to use hand sanitizer all the time.
0: I thought you were going to say you have to use soap all the time.
1: Well, that too. In our in the soap at work, and this is a good thing. I'm not complaining. It's really harsh. It's, you know, antibiotic, and it's really, really strong. So I come home, and my hands are just trashed. So I come home, and the first thing I do when I walk in the door is I grab a bar of Dr. Squatch and wash my hands. And immediately that exfoliation, I opened a box of pine tar just for this because that's the most exfoliating And it just took all that dead skin off my hands and my hands are smooth again. Thank God, because nothing makes me crazier than when my hands are dry and cracked. That's why I found Dr. Squatch in the first place. And it worked. And they've done a great job keeping my hands in shape during this constant phase of hand washing and hand sanitizing. It's really, really hard on your hands. So if you need help with your hands or your body and your skin, hit up DrSquatch.com. It's not just the soap, though. They've got shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, deodorant, mouthwash. Uh, the deodorant is my favorite. I absolutely love the deodorant. It smells great. It lasts all day. Go to drsquatch.com, check out what they have to offer. When you're ready to check out, use that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order while supporting the podcast at the same time. And we always do appreciate your support here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So again, drsquatch.com promo code MADHOUSE20. James, anything we want to add before we wrap things up on this one?
0: Uh, Saturday, big game against Nashville. Obviously a one-off down at Bridgestone. And boy, howdy, the Blackhawks need those two points in a bad way.
1: Yeah, let's hope they show up a little better than they did um, against Nashville last time we saw them. And uh, man, this this loss against Carolina hurts, man, because that point was there for the taking.
0: Indeed it was. And it slipped
1: away. But hey, they've got an opportunity to make up for it. Uh, this weekend so until next time thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we greatly appreciate your continued support and we'll talk to you real soon take care have a great weekend for my partner james Naveau, i'm jay zawoski this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports dr squatch and by the In law group